Hello, secret movie clubbers. Uh, um, let me do that. Secret movie clubbers. For the next four, three to four weeks, we think, um, we are giving the Secret Movie Club podcast team a break. Uh, we have been recording podcasts nonstop almost since uh, March of 2020 when COVID hit. And so uh, everyone is going to take a well-earned and deserved uh, month. And we will be back uh, in, I believe, the first podcast back will be June 23rd, where we're going to return with Secret Movie Club Podcast 152 where we're going to, whose topic is comfort food movies and uh, Cameron Crowe's We Bought a Zoo, which a particular Secret Movie Club podcast member watched five times in two weeks and clearly was watching as comfort food. And uh, you can try to take a guess at who that was. But we we uh, are going to get into it. We're going to talk about comfort food movies, the movies we watch over and over again. And that will uh, happen uh, starting June 23rd. In the meantime, though, what I want to do uh, for the next uh, few weeks, and I hope you'll tune in, is I personally am going to record little bite-sized pods uh, that uh, are going to focus on uh, just one movie or something that I'm watching or some aspect of cinema. And uh, I'm going to wax rhapsodic about it. Uh, This week, we just want to let you know that tonight we are doing uh, the second part of our Sofia Coppola uh, quadruple feature. We showed Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation last week on 35. Tonight, we are showing Marie Antoinette, which may be her masterpiece. Uh, and somewhere, which I love uh, on third, I love actually Marie Antoinette. I, I love them all. Uh, both of them are on thirty-five millimeter. Uh, you, we'd love to have you. We still have some tickets left, although it is heading to sell out just like last week. It, then uh, tomorrow, it is finally happening. Our annual Lord of the Rings trilogy, all in one day. Yes, we are doing Fellowship of the Ring extended edition. Uh, two tow- That's at ten a.m. Uh, Two Towers Extended Edition, that's at 3 p.m. And then Return of the King Theatrical Edition, uh, that is at 8 p.m. All at the Million Dollar Theater Movie Palace. Uh, We would love to have you. We already have, let me check this in real time for you. We already have 330 Brave Souls that are doing uh, all three movies with us. Uh, And the Grand Central Market is just next door, and you can bring in food and even alcoholic drinks uh, if you want as we get later in the day because the people who own the Grand Central Market also own the Million Dollar Theater. Then next week uh, on Wednesday, it's our open mic short night for May 2023. The If you're going to do the competition, although you would have had to have submitted by now, uh, the theme is suspense since we're doing Hitchcock Director of the Year. Uh, and then Thursday, we start our Fritz Lang series with uh, Dr. Mabuza the Gambler. This was one of Lang's very earliest movies in the early 1920s. Uh, I've said it before, but Fritz Lang in many ways was Hitchcock's Hitchcock. When Hitchcock was a very young man in Germany uh, working with uh, the wing of the British studio that uh, he worked for, uh, who just happened to have an office uh, in Germany during this German expressionist renaissance of Murnau and Lang and and Hitchcock, a young Alfred Hitchcock was doing titles and 
uh, art department, production design. Uh, Hitchcock was blown away by Fritz Lang's movie. As always, you can uh, write us at community at secretmovieclub.com. You can find out everything we're doing at uh, uh, secretmovieclub.com. You can buy tickets at eventbrite at secretmovieclub.com. And as long as we're not sold out, you can buy tickets at the door as well. Because I've got a family, when I'm not doing Secret Movie Club, I try to just spend all my time with them. So I'm I'm coaching T-ball or having dinner, going to the library. So the way that I watch new movies that we don't do at Secret Movie Club is I watch them on my lunch break. And right now, uh, I'm watching a movie I, I've always wanted to catch up with. In fact, it was a movie I wanted to see when I was a teenager uh, and didn't get to it. And I can't believe it's taken me this long, but I'm watching Lars von Trier's uh, we know it in America as uh, in the United States as Zentropa. They know it in Europe as Europa. Uh, it was uh, if you it's early Lars von Trier. It was only his third feature film, and it was made in 1991. Uh, and I remember when the trailers for the movie came out, and it was wild. Uh, you could these trailers, you could see he was just burning with style. Uh, if you should check out the trailer right now and YouTube it, uh, but he basically. The uh, plot of the movie uh, is uh, an American of who has a German family, played by Jean-Marc Barr, uh, comes to Germany just as the war has ended. Uh, so Germany is in a horrible situation uh, to be a train conductor. His uncle gets him a job. And uh, while he is a train conductor on this train run by the Zentropa line, uh, he falls in love with a woman played by Barbara Sukoa from, in fact, talk about Lars von Trier. So many Fassbender um, alumni are in this movie. It's crazy. Uh, and you can really look at this movie, I think, in a way, almost as Lars von Trier having a dialogue with uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender. But Barbara Sukoa, who is incredible in, in Fassbender's Lola, plays the daughter of the guy who owns the train company, and she and, and this American train conductor fall in love and get married, but you're not completely sure of her motivations. And then there are these saboteurs who are trying to enlist the American in uh, sabotaging the American occupation. Then they're called werewolves. And then there's an, a, an American general played by Eddie Constantine, who was in uh, Alphaville, uh, Jean-Luc Godard's Alphaville, and in a number, uh, Beware, Beware of a Holy Whore, uh, for Fassbender. He plays like an American colonel or general. Uh, Udu Kier, uh, the amazing Udu Kier, who is in Fassbender movies and Gus Van Sant movies and Andy Warhol movies, and then has been in almost every Lars von Trier movie, uh, plays a brother. And the whole movie is shot in black and white, uh, but then we'll switch to color. And von Trier does this amazing thing where a lot of the movie is shot uh, clearly in front of a uh, its rear projection, like the old movies where so they'd be driving in a car and uh, you know, you would see the rear projection of uh, what, what was behind them. Or, you know, if they're on a train in the old movies, they would rear project what was outside. But what he does with the rear projection, instead of just doing that, is even though the movie definitely feels like it is swinging for the fences in kind of a Orson Welles Citizen Kane way with its style, the rear projection will switch to 
black and white shots and suddenly the foreground will be color or the background will be color and the foreground will be black and white. Uh, and he'll have people exit the rear screen projection and then come in front of the camera. So they go from black and white to color. And then he'll do uh, montages. So the background will dissolve into suddenly an extreme close up of a clock or a ticking time bomb. Uh, it, it just crazy, uh, ex like really inventive ways of using processes that uh, you normally don't see. And uh, I remember when I saw the trailer when I was a teenager, I was like, wow, that, that looks wild. <laughs> and uh, now I'm watching it. And the thing that's blowing me away actually is how uh, cohesive it is. Uh, rather than just being like an experiment in style, and, and you see that too with other directors, and you're like, oh, you, you know, uh, great attempt. Uh, wow. That was a, you know, a valiant experiment, but it doesn't, it, the, what Von Trier does actually works for the story. It does work for the storytelling. I find the movie, uh, a little on the intellectual chilly side, uh, which I actually think is a little bit by design. Um, Max von Sydow, uh, narrates it too. uh, Bergman, the great Bergman actor and just great actor, uh, Max von Sydow, who just passed a few years ago. He was, I mean, incredible. He was in his 90s and he was showing up in, in uh, The Force Awakens and stuff and Shutter Island. Um, but uh, Max von Sydow narrates it. And uh, the movie was the last of uh, Lars von Trier's Europa trilogy, which uh, included his debut movie uh, known as, I think it's called The Element of Crime. I should have this in front of me, uh, which was... Uh, talk about Shutter Island, actually, and that's all I'll say. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 uh, it, the element of crime is about a detective uh, trying to solve uh, some serial killings and uh, very much uh, has crazy style, crazy uh, expressionistic Baroque style. Uh, then he made a movie called Epidemic, Lars von Trier, the second movie, and I was reading that it was on a bet. Uh, that I guess somebody bet him that he couldn't make a movie really, really, really cheaply, uh, like for less than $100,000 U.S. kind of thing. And Von Trier loved it, as he has his whole career, thrived on these, like, putting... I, he seems to thrive on putting limitations on himself or creating rules. Uh, if you've never seen the movie he made, uh, The Five Obstructions, where he gave his film mentor from film school an obstruction and, and made his film mentor remake his famous... Um, a uh, short film from the 60s, Jorgen Leth. Uh, the movie is called The Human Animal. So he made Epidemic and Udu Kier. I think that's the first time Udu Kier shows up in a Lars von Trier movie, just his second movie. And then the third movie, uh, which is the one I'm talking about and watching, Europa's Entropa, was uh, von Trier uh, really swinging for the fences uh, and making this Orson Welles meets... Um, I don't even know who you would like, like Tarkov. No, it's not. It's like Orson Welles meets uh, Carol Reed meets uh, Hitchcock meets Italian neorealism meets Rainer Werner Fassbender meets Lars von Trier. Uh, th this movie where he's really trying to talk about Europe uh, and where Europe's going. And you can see all the seeds of... Uh, fascinations and obsessions that Von Trier is going to have his whole his whole life, his whole career, uh, his equal parts fascination and uh, dislike and suspicion of the United States, uh, which only grows, you know, by the time you get to Dogville and Manderley for sure. 
uh, and uh, his obsession about what it means to be continental European uh, in the 20th and 21st century, but then also uh, his fascination with doing things stylistically that no one else could possibly think of, which is one of his, one of, in my opinion, one of Lars von Trier's um, just ridiculous talents is thinking of the film form and doing things that no one else would think to do and having the bravery to do it. Um, if you've never seen like a movie like Dogville, Von Trier uh, went even further than his Dogma Manifesto where he challenged himself to make movies on video with available light, no composed music uh, or like outside score, non-diegetic score. It all had to be diegetic score, uh, handheld, no equipment. Uh, and he made the idiots that way. And then in Dogville, he, he sort of coyly returns, I think, to bigger style, but he does it almost like Berthold Brecht. It's on a soundstage where everything is taped off. There are some props, but there are no sets. It's clearly uh, a soundstage. And he tells this story of a small American town and uh, Nicole Kidman, who's a gangster's daughter who arrives there and her name's Grace. But it's just actors, a few bits of furniture and tape. Uh, and then some special effects, uh, but it's amazing. It's incredible, totally cinematic. And so you you see all of these uh, things that Von Trier is, is going to play with in his career. And what's funny to me to watch it is you can tell uh, he's burning with talent. Uh, he's he just burning with talent. Uh, but he hasn't quite figured it out yet. He hasn't quite become the Lars Von Trier that we're going to know uh, from Breaking the Waves and The Kingdom and uh, Dogville, and Melancholia, and The House That Jack Built, uh, which are some of, I think those are some of his, his strongest works. Uh, he's not, he, he hasn't quite made that leap from, you know, it's weird to, it's weird to say this, but it's like watching, um, I don't know what it would be like. I'm trying to think what it would be like watching, because Duel is amazing. Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's duel. So it, that's not quite it. Uh, but it is like watching maybe early Kurosawa. That, that's the best I can do. It's, it's like watching Sanshiro Sugata uh, or No Regrets for Our Youth uh, or One Wonderful Sunday uh, before Drunken Angel where Kurosawa really becomes Kurosawa or Those Who Tread on the Tiger's Tail. You, you still see all this talent uh, wild, ridiculous talent, but it's not quite Kurosawa as we'll know him yet. And uh, and watching Europa, uh, Zentropa, it is clearly Lars von Trier. There's no doubt who it is, but it's not, he hasn't quite landed the emotional resonance, narrative resonance that he hits in his next work, Breaking the Waves, uh, future work, um, and that he'll have for the rest of his career. It is super inspiring to me. And because I'm 45 years old, when I see these movies now made by filmmakers when they were in their 20s, I just think to myself, can I channel that still uh, if I'm lucky enough, God willing, to, to make features? Because I do think there's something really important about young person style. Uh, but it can't be artificial. It can't be... Um, you can't fake it. I mean, you can fake it, but everyone can feel it. And you have to be true to who you are and where you are at the age that you're at, too, which is why I really respect, you know, this run Scorsese's had of Silence and the Irishman, which definitely feel like older person movies, but they're amazing. Um, they're amazing. 
but I do think and feel like if you can tap into your young person style, that is really important because I think then you get young people, you sort of get everybody across the board into it. Uh, you know, Jaws is, is a young person's movie. Citizen Kane is a young person's movie. Uh, mean Streets is a, you know, is a young person's movie. Uh, Breathless uh, is a young person's movie. Um, so it, 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 it is on my mind. Uh, I watching Europa, I was like, wow, Lars von Trier is just having a blast with style. Uh, and, and yet he's still telling a story. This is what I'm trying to say, too. It's not like watching an empty calorie style movie. He's really trying to marry the style to the story, which is my favorite kind of filmmaking. When the form and the content, uh, they're both just burning. They're both fire. <laughs> Happy Memorial Day. Thank you, Secret Movie Clubbers uh, and Secret Movie Club team, all of the folks who are working hard that that you don't always see to make this happen. Thanks, all of you, uh, uh, for being a part of this cinematic project. And let's, you know, let's stay focused and, and really work to celebrate great cinema and make great cinema and rediscover what movie magic and movie theatrical experience is now in the 21st century post-COVID. I believe in it. I have faith in it. This is our project and we want you to be a part of it. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Have a great week.